Alrighty guys, welcome to the second part of this episode, uh, the Bar and Bar. Uh, we're still here at the Prince of York with uh, Phil Bailey. Thanks for inviting us back. That thank you, thank you for coming. <laughs> I know, I've, it's I know. It's a real pleasure to be back. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And Reese hosting uh, uh, kind of like a mezcal masterclass slash... Yeah, it's gonna be the first time. Gonna be the first look at yeah. the new Origin Rays product line. Um, so I haven't even tasted most of these yet. Awesome. Huh? Do you wanna? Why are you reeking? Um, I've kind of been involved in this project and trying to bring it to Australia for the last, you know, five or so years. Um, after my first kind of trip up there to see Bildo, and I was there for batch number two that they made on the ranch so he's got a, a big piece of land out in Tuitan and he's got an incredible amount of wild satol and wild saniso agaves out there he actually it's a, it's a cattle farm that's his kind of main business is, is beef cattle um, so they decided to build a vinyata up there and actually flew up uh, Mescalera from Oaxaca who happens to be really good family friends with Valentin Cortez and yeah. um, Don Nacho so he was flown up and uh, and they built the vinyata up there and began producing mezcal about five years ago now um, 2015 was batch one I think um, and when I first went to Durango and we traveled around a lot and spent some time on the ranch making some distillate, tasting out of the still, visited some other mescaleros around Nombre de Dios and other little villages in Durango. And the mescal blew me away. The Ceniso Agave with its like real fruity mineral character with all these very cool production styles that were very different. But most of all, the, the state of Durango was like something I'd never seen in Mexico. Like I'd spent couple of years traveling through Mexico. I'd never been to Durango. Obviously for people that don't know, it's, you know, central northern Mexico. It's incredibly high elevation, like 6,000 feet above sea level. Um, and it's green and it's cold. Yeah. And I got there and it blew me away. Like it, they, it snows every year, you know, and I didn't know this existed, this, this climate existed. Yeah. It's funny because I've never been to Durango and I thought it was dry. Well, it has it has both because you come up into the to the Sierra yeah. and it's green and lush because the the number one industry up there is actually logging, um, so logging pine, and then you come over the other side and it flattens out into the plateau and it's dry. And that's a that's a rain shadow. Yeah, yeah. exactly because there's a large rain shadow. You've got the Sierras there, so all that moisture coming off the Pacific because yeah. you're in the tropics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mazatlan is sitting oh, right yeah. on the tropics. And that's not that far difference in, in distance. No, no, it's all a, that water is just dropping right on the Sierras, which is what El Chapo country. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then boom, back over the, over the range, and it just goes to nothing. Yeah, so it's this incredibly diverse climate, um, which obviously, just like if you think about growing grapes, this has effects on and on how the agaves hold sugar and acid and. and it's just such this varied country and plus it's volcanic yeah incredibly volcanic soil so particularly the ranch we're going to taste at El Ojo is the whole everywhere you go is volcanic rock 
like just jutting out everywhere. Yeah. The and entire ranch. And so and so and just wild. going right out of the volcano. And it's the growth. first time I've actually when I first tasted it out of the still and it reminded me of like a comparison of like when I first tasted a German Riesling from the Mosul, which is this schist and volcanic soil and you get this super big minerality. And I'd never seen that in a mezcal before <laughs> I went there and it blew me away. And yeah. I was like, this is fucking cool. Um, so we've kind of always talked about bringing the products to Australia because I love them so much. Um, and kind of at, at the start, I was trying to find someone to bring them in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I brought a, a case over to have and sell at Chulo because for me, it was just this really incredible spirit to share with people. And then it was kind of too hard to find someone to import it and distribute it. So I ended up deciding that I would just do it myself. I mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> sometimes you have to do it yourself. Yeah. So then we kind of started on that and, and started, you know, looking at what we'd bring in. And now there's a few more products in the line as well. So they've started making a sitol. They're, they're purchasing some mezcal from up in the mountains near Sinaloa, which is from a... Angustafalia, they call it Chacaleno up there, um, which I haven't even looked at yet, which is even higher elevation, um, which is pretty cool. It's about 450 k's away from Durango City, up towards the Siloam border. And then we've got some some stuff. So the, the other kind of thing that's happened with Origin Radies is then Assis and Valentin Cortez have become really heavily involved in the brand, who are obviously fifth, sixth generation Mescalero family from Oaxaca. So. We've got a Madrek Riche from Valentin that's made in Oaxaca from their home distillery in Santiago, Madatlan. And then um, he actually produces both the um, Petruga that we're going to try, which is for um, Bilder's daughter's birth, and then also the Sotol. So you've got a Mescalero. So the, the Petruga is from Durango? It's from Durango. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's Siniso but with venison. Yeah, nice. Um, and then the Sotol is obviously wild wild Sotol from the ranch, um, but being made by a Oaxacan Mescalera, which is pretty interesting. Can I throw well. one thing in there just regarding yeah. the ranch? Is that you have to understand this is totally wild, uncultivated land 100%. that I've experienced yeah. with just Seniso and Sotol and cacti, Nopal, just everywhere. going right up mm. out of the soil. And it's just, there's no fields of beautiful agave growing in the distance. It's yeah. like, like this is just wild. Or so, you, know, you think of tequila country, yeah. it's all cultivated. And single there's line planting. This is totally wild. So they, and they are replanting. So there's a huge replanting program they're doing to okay. ensure the sustainability, but they are for the 100% wild. But also for an environment for your fermentation. Oh, yeah. That wild terrain is just full of, I mean, just amazing, yeah, flavor profiles just sitting there waiting to enter. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the one of the really interesting things that I've kind of seen and when I was there, we were going around checking out all the agaves, looking at what's going to be harvested next. We had a, a, a roast just coming out. Um, and talking to Ignacio and talking about there's this I don't think it happens anywhere else because I've never heard of it before but because he's got you know three and a half thousand head of cattle on his land or something like that what will happen is when the Suniso Quixote will come up um, the cows will actually break it off and chew it to get the sugars out of yeah. it so essentially it's the work of a himador being done by cattle so they find these agaves that to me looked rotten, 
but then they would harvest them and they'd be incredibly ripe towards rotten. But then they'll use three, four maybe in every roast they do to just enhance these flavours. Well, can I throw something in there? Yeah. Sorry to keep it. No, no, no. But this makes me think of Carlos Camarena because his whole thing for making Ocho tequila is letting his agaves go to full maturity. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they've gone too far and just, they've just gone. I always remember seeing the images but, at Ocho when it's they, they take the tankers off and it's bleeding, just essentially. Red, just red. But what he's saying is that now you're getting more complexities in the flavor coming from that yeah. because it's actually deteriorating. It's actually starting to die. Starting to die. Maybe there's some intracellular fermentation or something. Yeah. yeah. An enzyme happening. But yeah, and they've also done a batch which is 100% from cow tendered agaves or mm-hmm. ultra mature, um, which I haven't tried yet. But it's, yeah, it's this kind of really interesting thing that I guess only comes from this ranch. Um, so we're going to try it first. The- Nice. <laughs> so first is the, uh, so this is the Siniso, and it's from Vinata El Ojo, which is uh, Bildo's ranch with the cattle in Tuyatan. It's about 45 minutes from where they live in Durango. Um, so in terms of production, it is um, underground roast um, Tohona crush. So the, the production of this mezcal is actually not what I would say is a traditional style in Durango, but it's obviously with a... Oaxacan mescalera, it's very Oaxacan in style, so underground roast um, with volcanic rocks as well, and then Tohona crushed, um, open top wild ferment in um, wood vessels, and then... So, the- so, so is that in, it's not in like a pit, it's not a ground? No, if they're using... So they're using vats? Vats, okay, they're using vats, vats, which is where it's different to, I guess, a lot of traditional guys in Durango, because they will use coffin yeah. style fermentation built into the ground, or... Yeah. Perhaps a trunk, that's more common there, but very well Harkin style. And then um, into copper stills. So, yeah, again, around 200 and meters. And copper, but is that does that have a wooden Montero? No, not not for the home so, ranch, it doesn't. No. Okay. The guys around. Because the wooden Montero on top is more the style of Durango. It as is. Well. So, Nombre de Dios, that's very common to have yeah. the Montero. Yeah. Um, and the coffin style fermentation. This is, yeah, it's all copper. Right. Um, so, fermentation with fiber, first distillation with fiber as well. Mm. Um, one of the weirdest things that I about that I love about him is he seals his the top of his still on with um, with massa. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. he uses corn massa to seal yeah. his still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'd never seen before. Yeah. yeah. So he has this little packet of, yeah. of corn massa, at night, and that's how he'll seal the still. A lot of guys will use a garbo. Reading about fiber. that actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Salute. So this Salute. is from 2018 batch. Or oh, as they would say in. Santiago de Matatlan, Dishbe. Dishbe. Oh my God, look at that. It snows on that. Super like fruity and very fruity, mm. but like um, cooked, cooked fruit. Yeah, almost cooked stone fruitish kind of. Yeah, I was thinking stone. Oh, what, what's the uh, ABV on this? 48. Oh, nice. And there's that minerality on the yeah. palate, that slaty. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't drink like 48, that's for sure. Wow, very. It has 
you've been to Durango. Yeah. It's very light. I don't find it very heavy. It's no. really like in the top part of the palate. Yeah, very high notes, mm. quite floral. Yeah, a lot of floral. Yes, sorry, you were asking Diego? No, I mean, uh, <clears throat> obviously Durango is not the same like Oaxaca in terms of mezcal production and mezcal... Tiny production, tiny in production. comparison. And not too many uh, different type of mezcal over there grows. Uh, actually, there it's growing. Mm. Mezcal production is, I'd say, probably Durango is one of the regions which is really growing more than any other state that I'm aware of, anyway. Because mm. they've got so much access to agave out there because it hasn't been a huge industry. You've got fertile land and rain and good conditions for growing, so there's a lot of agave around. There's a, a lot of production centered around the town of White Nombre de Dios and there's a few other little villages where you've probably got 20, maybe 20 or so producers. Mm-hmm. It's much smaller, but then up in the mountains, there is a lot of guys making distillate. A lot of them aren't sure what agave they are. There's a lot of different agaves that isn't just Siniso. You're getting Americana kind of offshoots and different stuff but I uh, think a lot of citrus on like lemon on this sorry did no you... no I think it's the first time like for me it's the first time that I tried this particular brand mm. like Seniso mm. it's very different than the other Senisos that I have tried yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, it kind of this is the, the Oaxacan style Potentially. Um, it's still got the fruitiness that I love about Siniso, but I also find sometimes some of the Sinisos we're seeing bottled at a lower ABV tend yeah. to have a little more tart, sour fruit kind of to it to me. Um, where this is, yeah, much more kind of floral and high notes and mineral. And Yeah, I like. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, this also. I mean, I don't know what price point is, but this in a in a cocktail could be amazing as well. Yeah, unfortunately, it's probably not going to be a <laughs> right now. No, like with with the. I mean, everything's wild. It's very small. It's, everything's done by hand. It's it, it probably won't get to a, a cocktail poor price. Mm. Um, unfortunately, here in Australia. I mean, I, I know through... I was thinking Me- like an old-fashioned or something oh, like that. Yeah. It could be amazing. I mean, through through Mexico and the States, they don't have quite the same taxes that we have yeah. to pay. It would definitely be... Like, I, I know it's and kind shipping of... shipping cost and it's the whole... Yeah, it's, it's getting kind of used in a lot line. of cocktail bars over there and it's doing really well. And I think it definitely will stand up really well in cocktails. I think they did a, like a small bar competition. They did. They did one in Durango. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they kind of first got the, the product out. So you have to tell us when you're going next, Reese. 100 percent to Durango. <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, let's go together. Well, that whole northern part of Mexico, what's it's northernish, but it's just fascinating. I love it. Alrighty, so this is this is Chacaleno. Okay. So this is yeah from the Angostofolia, so Espadin family. Yep. Um, and this is produced up in El Platanar, so that's about 450 k's north of Durango City, up towards Sinaloa. Um, I'm waiting to get all the kind of details on. on this. Sorry, up 
going north? Is so it it's yeah. going towards Sonora. Sinaloa. Sinaloa is west. No, because no, Sinaloa is west and north. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so northwest or something. Yeah. Let me look it up on my map. I'll show you. I'll What's the name of it? Uh, El Platano. Sh- I've got a dildo sent me. Here. Oh. So from oh, Durango, yeah, okay. it's yep. kind of up towards here, towards the Sonor- the Sinaloan border, yep. which is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sent me some photos that I haven't yeah. been able to find, but they were there like this weekend, I think. Yeah, he's he's just got back, yeah. but it's like super super high elevation, mm. um, and yeah, an espadine varietal grown from up there. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's like seven thousand feet above sea level or something up in the mountains. Um, this is cultivated. Okay. <clears throat> um, underground oven. It's fermented in underground in paletas, so that's that more traditional yep. coffin style. Mm-hmm. Um, copper pots and stainless. So a little bit of a hybrid still, I guess. Um, so this is coming in at forty-eight as well. Same distillery. No, no. So oh, this is different. a this is made at a place called Rancho Grande, which is yeah about four hundred and fifty k's up. So. I, I guess the guys have kind of met them and discovered the spirit and now they've kind of started working with it because it's really unique. Much kind of more intense smoke and charcoal. Mm. Definitely the smoke on this, yeah. Oh wow. Kind of sweet and lush and vanillary on the palate as well. Ooh, wow, beautiful! Like creamy mouth, yeah, it's very well. creamy, like cream you soda. Think it's flavor, right? No, no, because it's the smoke on the nose is really intense, and I'm I was not like, getting oh. smoke in the flavor. No, me, neither am I. It's really mellow and really lush. Mm. But I'm still finding quite high on the palate mm. and fruity. Almost like a banana or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's got this real tropical edge mm, to it. Yeah. I agree, yeah. But this is where it's uh, close to the platana, so that's what it tastes like. Yeah. A that makes sense because they're, yeah. they're growing tropical plantains. And... Yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely see that banana, creamy, mm. even like wow, one banana, custard apple ish mm. kind of thing going on. And dry, yeah. The, ba- the dry. back palate is bone dry. And what's the what's the this is forty eight as well. Forty eight as well. Mm. That's a good number. The person was asking me the other day um, if mes- the taste of mezcal is affected by what it grows in the environment. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I was telling, I was explaining about the micro environment. Yeah. Right? So and you also the pollination. How do you call it? pollination? Pollination, yeah. Pollination, that's... Yeah, and I mean, when you're naturally fermenting with airborne yeast and and you've got tropical fruit and you've got yeast, the bloom on the outside of the fruit, like, it's 100% going to get into that ferment and start creating these flavours. I mean, I think mezcal is the most terroir-driven spirit on the planet. Mm-hmm. And if you think, even you're just taking the same agave, and this is really typical in Oaxaca, taking espadine, from San Juan del Rio to San Luis del Rio to Santiago de Matatlan mm-hmm. to Santa Catarina to 
a hutla or wherever, it's completely different drink. Yeah. Completely different spirit. And that's because your fermentation is all wild airborne yeast. So that microclimate of where the agaves are growing, mm-hmm. or the mages, and where the palenque is, yeah. is that's where that's all going to come from. The Santo Domingo Abaratus has always been the one that reminds me of that because when I mm. went there and I was always like, oh, I taste tropical fruit so much on this. Yeah. And you go there and they're in a cloud forest and they've got tropical fruit plantations everywhere and you're like, this fucking makes sense now. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, and I would I would imagine, yeah, it's a similar so thing with this. the most elevated region in Oaxaca? Where? Santo Domingo? No. Right? No, right? no. No, it's not that high. No. It seems high, but actually you're actually coming down. Yeah, because it's it lower in this little you valley. Think. You go through a lot of mountains to get there, but it's and actually on. Yeah. It's actually around the same height as probably San Luis del Rio. Mm-hmm. And that's really tropical as well, because even though it's a dry valley, when you go along that valley, there's coffee, mango, banana, maize, mm-hmm. but a lot of tropical mamay. 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 I mean, a lot of tropical fruits all delicious. through there. And you taste that in the in the mezcal. In the mezcal, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. But I, it's, a, it's a really big influence on any properly made artisanal or ancestral product because these guys aren't inoculating the fermentation. It's not a, a yeast they've picked. It's whatever is in the, in the distillery, in yeah. the vinyanta at the time. And that can change also from the time of year. So what season? So every batch can be different. Totally. Well, you you see that hugely in these products because of the um, the temperature difference between winter, like the, the the range differences. You'll notice that for me, when I taste something that's maybe produced in winter, it'll have this really fruit-driven tart fruit character because the fermentation can take three four days longer, maybe sometimes because yeah. of the the temperature difference. Where when it's in summer and you've got that heat and the fermentation is much more rapid, you get a little bit more intensity and minerality. Well, I, I don't know. That's just me. That, so, I'm just hypothesizing. So no, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not a rule in terms of how many days need to be fermented. No. No, it's all down Absolutely to not. it's all it's all down Nature to does its own. yeah. It's it's the sugars and, and how it's been roasted and and then what you might be fermenting in and the, the current surrounding weather but one thing you have to remember is in any spirit the blueprint for that flavor profile is coming in fermentation and that's why a lot of these spirits companies or producers or distilleries they have their laboratory where they make this culture they have this culture of their yeast Mm -hmm. that they keep growing and it just keeps growing, and that's so their flavor. So identical every, t- every time. So they will take a piece of that and use that to inoculate the the musts or yeah. the, you know the fermented sugars. <clears throat> yes. And that's going to give them the flavor they want because they're chasing consistency. Where right? mezcal doesn't chase consistency. That's the beauty about it. They're not no. trying to make the same product every time. They're just trying to make the best product they can. Yeah. That's all that matters. It's amazing. Ooh. That's really cool. I'm feeling better already. <laughs> wow. I thought it was going to be... A chocolate. I'm getting cacao on this. I can well. see that, yeah. But almost like a white cacao or, you know, I, I got this, like, little coffee note as well that I was... Like, banana and coffee works well together. Like the aftertaste. Mm. 
got to get the right um, nice. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, you, I can't see. Yeah, un poquito. Man, I have to work after this. So this is uh, this is Madre Creature. Mm. So wild Madre Creature um, made it the Cortez family in Madatlan. So tohon, underground oven, tohona, open feminine wood, and then small copper stills. Um, this is 2018, the first batch they did. So this is kind of their little partnership cross-cultural one that Bildo really wanted to have one of Valentin's mezcal from, from Oaxaca and I think Madara Kritcher is a great choice. Yeah, I agree. It's one of my favorites. Same. So green. Mm. But, I mean, like this family of agave for me is one of my favorites as well. Like all the Karwinskis, they're so green and herbly and aromatic and intense. But there's also nothing that can stop you to have your brand in Durango and produce something in... Yeah, look, it's, it's still it's still labeled as, yeah. as distillado in Oaxaca. But it's been bottled in Oaxaca as well, right? Uh, this would no. be bottled... I, I think this would probably be bottled in Oaxaca because I think part of the thing is you need to bottle it where it's produced. It's the, it's the yeah, in the Oaxaca. So it would be, yeah. It would be bottled in, bottled in Oaxaca and then sent up. Just, just for the brand. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if this is a specific batch. The guys have. It, I, it probably is just a specific batch just for Origin Rainy. So it's probably slightly different to the El Hogorio that he makes because yeah. he do, he does produce that Madre Cuiche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no Madre Cuiche in Durango. No, I don't think I don't think there's any Kowinski. There's not, no. not not that I've seen, or I mean, there could be stuff lying around somewhere. The you know, Ceniso. because if you go down southern Durango, you then start getting Tepemete and Mascarillo, and it's it's all you know because that's northern Nayaritish kind of area. Like I know the guys from Lagrimas have a, a bit more of those. There's other yeah, and there's there's some other Angostofolias and which they oh the Americana that I think they call Egok. Yeah. So there's a bit of Americana, a bit of Angostofolia floating around, but in terms of what they exactly are, I don't know. It's predominantly Sinisa and Sitol. Let's try this one. Green on the nose. Really green on the nose, but it's got this like, almost like berry, red-fruited kind of character on the palate. Yeah, it doesn't have that really intense kind of herbal note on the palate. Oh, yeah, it's getting like strawberries. It's wild madre quiche too. Yeah. Mm. But that's good that. But I'm, super, yeah. super long. Wow. Very sweet. That's what I mean. I, I, can't, I got this like strawberryish kind of thing mm. happening. Mm. But yeah, you don't expect. You're trying you don't to analyze the flavors I'm getting on that. It does have that like coating sweetness to it. I agree. Fuck. 
it's so long though. It's gonna be my next February. Almost getting like peanut butter or something. Peanut butter? Oh yeah. No, it's like a It's really viscous in the <laughs> mouth. It's really thick. It's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's deceiving because the nose is so green. How can, how can you make something different? So, Valentin makes Madre Cuiche for Polvorio. Mm-hmm. And also he makes for Origen. Yeah. How can you make it like... It's in the... Just in the it's, it could be the ferment. It could be like when you've harvested, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah, selecting where the agaves come from. But then also in the distillation as well. Because depending yeah, on actually, how you... because it's all about time and heat. Time and... and yeah, so you how can do hard? a little bit quicker, you could do a little bit slower. Well, you'd imagine something like that. It's probably a lower, slower distillation because it's got so much texture in, in it where if you go hard... Because it'll change how the, the yeah, distillation the functions. Really, the viscosity is insane. Yeah, it's almost like I'm having a sandwich or something. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut butter Peanut sandwich. butter and strawberry <laughs> jam. <laughs> wow, that's a good combination. Yeah. <laughs> Funky man, very okay, cool. Okay. I don't know the question for Durango, but kind of lost it. People are crazy up there, man. Wish we had um, Valentine here right now. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a Zoom tasting. In the next couple of days with the guys, and I'm gonna um, I'll record it. So if you got any questions, yeah. let me know, and I'll I'll be on there with Bildo and Assis and stuff, and any any questions you have, because I want to record it to then kind of have it as like a, because yeah, I'm gonna do a, a, a tasting with them and kind of get their thoughts, and ask those nerdy questions, you know, like yeah, what happened different, why is it like this? Because um, it's kind of nice to be able to do that. I could zoom, it's like we've got access to a seat whose brain on mescal is incredible. And... Alrighty, so this is uh, this is pretty cool. So this is a, the first pachuga they made, they've produced um, for Bildo's daughter, Luciana, when she was born. That's the... um, so this is... So how old is she now? She'll be coming up to two? two? Yeah, about that. Yeah. So this is... Uh, Ceniso. No, you That's um, the third distillation um, with venison yeah. and obviously seasonal fruits again as well. From Just, Oaxaca. Uh, from Durango. From Durango, yeah. yeah. Just to refresh on pechuga so people can understand why, what pechuga means or what's different from normal mezcal. So I guess the, the biggest thing is. Like obviously, yes, it generally contains seasonal fruits and a protein of some description, whether that's turkey or chicken or rabbit, goat. Um, sometimes rice is put into the still, but it's, it's traditionally a, um, a celebratory style of mezcal. It's made for a birth, a marriage. Quinceañera. Yeah, you know, something important in the village. And obviously this is for Bilder's first daughter. Um, and the, the kind of idea is it's a celebration, you know, and you, you produce a very special batch. Um, Where, in, do you put it in the second distillation? Tradi so, traditionally, it's a third distillation, it but it can be second. Yeah, okay. it could be second or third. Um, but also, you have to remember, this is really, as he says, celebratory. So it's 
only made at a specific time of the year when you have those wild fruits and berries available as well. Yeah. And it can be with meat or without. I mean, they can use iguana, mm. rabbit, turkey, chicken, venison. I mean, a snake, I don't know. What I've seen from snake is more infusion. Infusion, yeah. infusion. okay. After um, the... Yeah. After it's okay. made, and then they would put it in like a. Well, because the story with that was wasn't it that there was because of the the rail rail system that was built. There's a lot of Chinese workers on the rail system when the original rail system was being built, and they would get local distillate, and because it's quite common to use like snake infused as like part of medicinal purposes, so it kind of infused between the two cultures with that style. Is the story? I think who had it was it was it one. One Zeus, I think he I had think, it in, in if it's Singapore. Not one, it may be Jaime, because Jaime's really good at history. Yeah, it was one of those guys that had yeah. it when we were in um in Singapore. In Singapore, yeah. And they were telling the story how it was, you know this bit of Chinese herb medicine kind of snuck into Mexican culture when yeah. they were building the railroads, okay. and that's kind of infused the two together. But yeah, pachuga generally being a, a style with a protein, and it gets a lot of fruitiness from the seasonal fruits as well. Yeah. Man, I'm getting a lot of, going back on that first one, I'm getting a lot of lemon coming off that, on the nose. Yeah, I can see that. This is Sinisa. Mm. So it's Sinisa. It's a little bit higher ABV as well, Really tropical, like it's got that sweetness again, mm. that viscosity. But it's also got that, um, like a cured meat. It does. It's got like that a, a salt jerky or something like that in there. Sort of at the back. Mm. So I often with salty. A, I often with a lot of pachugas don't that. really taste the protein source. It's mm. like maybe it's because I want to taste it more intense way but I definitely it's got this fruit sweetness mm. but you're right it's got a it's got a salinity to it as well yeah salinity with like a little like a finish of a little jerky or something like that the back palate is quite yeah. meaty mm. That's... wow very interesting oh, yes, you know. and once again yeah. quite light mm -hmm. like high in the palate not low I think that's kind of like something I'm seeing with a lot of mm. mezcals, just from Durango. Sweetness Durango tends to have this like high note to them, the mm. Sumiso maybe. But yeah, like getting the sweetness, sweetness coming out now as well, almost like honey. Yeah, the texture on it's mm. crazy. Wow. And this is again Valentine, right? This is Valentine that's oh. made it. Yeah, exactly. I bet he's having fun. <laughs> Must be loving this. Yeah. So now Valentin is based in Durango. Okay. Um, they go between. They're up there for the next couple of months, a season Valentin or a month or so. Because. So what are we in? August. Yeah. So they'll be coming into the season. Yeah. As well. Yeah. How many times? Because this is really like wet season now. Yeah. It's very varied up there. Like, yeah. actually, so you know when you go to. 
the house at Alojo. Yeah. And you look over the plains, they're flooded right now. Yeah, yeah. All the, like, the, the plains are flooded. In fact, I was there this time, well, no, I was there in July. It was around just after Tails. I went just before Tails, and it was really wet. Yeah, I went it just was after great. Tails. I remember standing there and seeing these huge rain clouds just passing by. Yeah. And just, like, you could see the whole landscape would disappear in this haze of, well, just rain. Yeah. Just move across in front of you. It's beautiful. And there's like there's these incredible waterfalls and yeah. stuff out near the ranch that like Builder took me to and like because you get this it was, it was pouring when I was there as well because I went just before Tails and yeah there's huge waterfalls. Man, I like, drank all of it. <laughs> <laughs> just sipping, delicious. Or oh, you poured me less. I don't know which. <laughs> but no, that's delicious. But that's pretty cool that there is now a new product here in Sydney in Australia. Yeah. That is not from not, Oaxaca. Not quite yeah. yet. Not quite yet, but like little, soon, soon, soon. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of share them. And, and you know, it's some, like I was saying, it's something that I fell in love with because I was just like, they blew me away. Like, and it's not me just being like, oh, I want to have a brand here. Like, I love these products and I think they're so different and cool. And also like, for me, the story behind it's great. It's like Bildo's, Bildo's responsible for bringing a lot of mezcal to Australia and he, he had a crack and yeah. he, he made the first mezcal bar. Yep. Mr. Moustache. And he he did was it in Bondi. In Bondi. In some back. And like, and he, man, that yeah, was great. Yeah, made great food. Not brave, and, probably crazy, but... Yeah. And, and he really pushed mezcal oh. to the masses in Bondi. Yeah. Like, really hard, man. And, like, because he had... They went really hard on the mezcal cocktails, and they had the whole range. It was like, you you couldn't go there and not drink mezcal. Like, no. you, they, they would force you, let you out at the end, you know? wouldn't let you but out if you didn't. <laughs> culturally, we'd never had a dedicated mezcal bar like that. And mm. they did it. And it, he made a, he obviously brought El Gorio and West Soledad with the Cortez guys. And, yeah. and made a huge impact on, I think, okay. culture here. Culture. Yeah, and then he decided that he was going to go home and start his own thing and... It just happens to have this huge piece of land with lots of agave, which kind of works perfectly. Is that the last one? This is the last one. So this is um, the Satol. So, Cedrusanum. So a different, it's not Das Salerion Waleri, which is what you'll kind of see in Sonoran Chihuahua. Although you've kind of started seeing the, the other kind of, because I've never really seen great Satol here i know there's a project that esteban is involved with like higuera which yeah. is quite cool plan day is the brand i was talking about before, gotcha yeah from ricardo pico oh, um but all the satol we've had here has been but with the exception of la higuera has been i mean the first hacienda. one hacienda de chihuahua which yeah. was made like a tequila yeah and, and it, it doesn't have much soul or flavor and then when i was when I was in uh, the last time I was in Durango, actually, we went to a pool party with Builder, and uh, you're allowed to take three bottles in with you. So we took a bottle of um, a bottle of Tobola from Hogorio. We took uh, a bottle of Satol as well, which is 55 ABV. This was the one that was distilled with Nepal, right. and like a, I think another bottle of Sanisa or something. Like three of us. And we took this to a pool party, just sitting around like hot day just smashing Satol and, oh my god but for me it was also like I'd never seen Satol like this like big flavorful intense green yeah. herbal floral and it was uh, 
was pretty eye-opening to see that different style of not this like clean light, we're trying to pretend to be tequila kind of thing. But I haven't tried this yet. So this is being made by Valentin at the home ranch. Salute amigos. It's a grand pleasure. So I'm finding a consistent nose through all of this. There's one element that's probably lightest on the first one, mm -hmm. but coming. And maybe it's the smoke. I mean, anything made at the home ranch right, obviously going to be the same wood sources as well, mm. the same volcanic yeah. rocks they're using. Wow. Beautiful. So floral. And this I'm finding actually lower in the palate. This is more like middle of the palate as opposed to the others which have all tended to be high. But with this at all, isn't it at all like um has to be from one part of Mexico? Um, three. Three, yeah. Three states. Okay. It's, a, it's an appellation of origin. No. Okay. So you've got Chihuahua, yeah. Durango, and from... Sonora? No, not Sonora. It's... Um, Carrero. No, Carretero. What is it? What is the... Yeah, Carretero, I think. In the north. Uh, no, no, no. No, what is it? In the north. What is this? Oh, but in the north you have Sonora and then... Sonora, Chihuahua. Chihuahua, and then what's the other state? Because um, Sonora, you have Bacanora. Yeah. What's on the other side of Chihuahua? Nuevo León? No, Nuevo Leon? no there's another state. <laughs> yeah, I know, I have to look. Uh, I can't. Coahuila? I think it's called. Uh, yeah. Let me have a Isn't, look. Yeah, really by which states. Man, you got how many? 50 something states there? 30, 33 now. 34. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Mexico, I'll tell you as soon as I see a map. <laughs> so in the north. Pretty serious. Coahuila. Yeah, Coahuila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coahuila. Chihuahua, Durango, and Coahuila. That's it. I didn't feel geography. And then next to Coahuila <laughs> is Nuevo León. <laughs> Because what you were saying before about the cattle eating the mm -hmm. quiote. Yeah. So in Tamaulipas, I was up 3,000 meters wow. with the uh, Montero. No, the Montero. What did they call it? What's the agave? Um, it's mainly lechuguera or something over there, isn't it? No, it's totally different again, and it's red. Oh, yeah, Montaña. Montaña. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they are actually they're cutting the quiotes for the cattle. Gotcha. Do yeah. Not, yeah. Not for making mezcal. They were actually cutting it for the cattle to eat. That's beautiful. That reminds cattle. me. Let me see if I can find. Well, Maguey, I should say. Um, Maguey. So, so now Sotol is. Uh, Sotol is uh, Durango. Is in Durango, Coahuila, and Chihuahua. Chihuahua. And there's something like 15 different species or varieties of the Desiderio. Wiliri yeah, is probably the most common. Okay. And that's also what a lot of Sotol from Texas is made with. 
but there's about 15 different species. And the differences in them is usually in the leaf, the width of the leaf. Mm -hmm. Some are broader, some are narrower. Yeah, Sotol is really fascinating. You've got male and female plants with different flowers. It's something that I saw, I think it was in your, um, you were talking about this last year, that in Texas they're making Sotol. Mm -hmm. But they, they, can, they cannot make, they cannot name They it. cannot call it Sotol. And there's, it a, there's a lot of but, kind of kickback against it, but I mean, Texas was Mexico. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> in fact, there's an issue which is even bigger than that, which is the, let me find it here. Bill um, actually sent me some photos the other day, but I can't find them. Maybe he's emailed them. They found it like another agave on the farm that's slightly, it's, it's not sunny, so, and it's same thing's happening. It's getting to maturity, and the cows are taking the key up there, so they're going to start producing. They're gonna, they reckon they can do one batch a year. I'll have to find it. He hasn't made any yet, but they, they're just harvesting. It can also happen that you make a, a mezcal without agave, the new agave that you don't know. Of course, and it yeah. It tastes horrible, right? Ah, uh, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. It's like uh, some some obviously might not be great for production, but... What's, what's this, sorry? Just, just saying that they found a, a, what they think is a new agave up there and... They're going to try to make a batch, but, it's, but it, I don't think it'd be horrible. I think it's no, no, it'd be no horrible, but like there's it'd some other that they, they cannot, they don't work. For sure. They, they're not um, meant to be mezcal yeah. or spirit, right? Yeah, For, of course. I mean, could you make something out of it? Yeah. Will it taste good? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I I don't have enough knowledge in that area, man. <laughs> That's an Ivan Saldana question. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? That would be interesting to have a podcast with them. With something that I'm... Because wanna... there's so much biodiversity, it could be delicious. You could just be missing out. But Because remember, generally people are using what's available to them, what's in their local area. You know, they're all so different. So if you have a look at this, this shows you the Chihuahuan Desert. And it goes right across yep. Coahuila and up into Texas. So, the border doesn't stop the plant from growing. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't know borders. Yeah. I mean, it goes into New Mexico and Arizona. It is that interesting discussion with the skull in Texas because there's, you know, like, is that appropriating Mexican culture? Well, what was crazy for me was being in Chihuahua and seeing the Indians there, the native Indians, yeah. uh, American Indian like North American Indians yeah. with the headdress and the whole thing. And I mean, it was, I'm just going like, well, so different from say the Zapotecs or the Huichol yeah. or the other Indian nations, which are in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I never, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Insane. To see it was like, wow, this is fun. But yes, I think Sotol is a whole new world in itself. Yeah, 100%. And there's so many different styles and varieties of Sotol 
which is still to be discovered. But as a plant, it's so different from the agave. Yeah, it is. Completely different. Yeah. You know, its life cycle is completely different. Yeah. Well, it will flower a number of times, but also you can cut it and it will regrow. Yeah. Be really interested to see what kind of there are a lot more brands kind of popping up. Man, and, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, this is so tasty because I've been seeing a lot of the like Higuera stuff and, and obviously seeing with the different varietals of Dasilerion, but ne never tried them. I've only tried the one they that Alex brought out here. Alex McDowell. Oh, what did he bring out? He brought out La Higuera's original Sitol. Oh, yeah, um, because he's just one. One type, because he was bringing in. I'm not sure if he's still working with Lavenanosa. Probably not. I don't think so. Well, I think he's just he's not going to continue. Yeah. And James has got por uh, siempre sotol. He doesn't have that anymore. He's, oh, he, he stopped to do that. He'll yeah, he bought it in because we. I remember when we opened Chula, yeah. we started pouring it, and we we're going through about case 12, 12 bottles a week. Wow. And then it just cause we put it, just put it in the cocktails, you yeah. know. And got people drinking it, and then it, yeah, he didn't get another shipment. Yeah. So I don't know how we had to scramble and find another Satol. And like, we ended up using like Higuera, but it was much more expensive. Yeah. But it's, it was kind of part of the whole thing we did at Chula was trying to make cocktails with Rasia, make cocktails with Satol, like get them, you know, get people to drink them. So, because yeah. that's your, you get them used to that flavor profile that the one they, oh, I want to try that neat. Yeah. And then you're like, cool, all right, I've got this and this. Boom. So that's how we Yeah, it's breaking. I mean, I think that's the whole thing with the Garvey love as well. We were trying to change people's perceptions. 100%. 100%. Of this is where you can go. This is what you have still time to discover. Yeah. As well as the fact that the consumer has changed in their want or need or whatever. I mean, people now want to know what they're drinking. Yeah. One of the big things that I remember in the U.S., was, you know, you have those cool margaritas or you have cool spirits where, you know, I want a Bacardi and Coke, I want a Jim Beam and Coke, I want this and that. They would ask for that because what they have in the well is such crap. Yeah. It's like, if you don't ask for a quality spirit, you're going to get the cheapest, nastiest um, thing. Like, remember when there were still venues that had Chiapas to kill? I still remember when I started working with Don Julio and stuff and I was going into venues and people would be pouring shit that's made in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a one, there's a one that I was talking with Sam the other day. Yeah, well, I always use it when I do, like, tequila yeah. trainings because I'm like, taste this. Yeah. This is why some people don't like tequila because yeah. they drank this. It is not tequila. It's a no-brainer. It's not tequila anyway, but... Yeah. They get foggy memories. And... I can't no, in fact, all... they're getting serious headaches yeah. because it's high in methanol. Mm. It's well, you got, way you got the bottle the, tested, right? Yeah, way over the legal limit of what tequila is permitted, okay. which is already 300 parts per million. Yeah. And in fact, most are making them around two because that way they can get them into China. Because China has much stricter guidelines than that, you China, Korea. Okay, interesting. Well, thank you, thank you, Riz, for um, no worries. Thanks for these, hanging out and tasting with me. This, the first tasting of this Origen de Raiz. Yeah, it's yeah. an honor to be a part of this. Yes, it is, it is. <laughs> Couldn't think of two better people to do it with. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man. And hopefully, this 
I mean, people start um, getting to know this product. And 100%. It's on the water. It's a couple of months. And the, the cool thing as well is I'm we're going to set up an online shop as well. So it's going to be available direct to Great. consumers as well, which is the biggest thing for me is that, yeah, I want, to, I want bars to stock it, but also like I want people, people to be able to have this at home. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And we're starting to see that now with like obviously bottle shop stock and stuff, but it'll be all available. Also, it makes it more affordable for people. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you can actually have a bottle of this at home, mm. it's like a cognac. It's not something you're going to drink in a night. True. No. You pay the money, you get something good, and you, on those times, you just yeah. sit back, have a little... A little, little celebratory yeah. pachuga. Wow, that pachuga is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. I like, I like this tall one. I really like yeah, this tall one. was something interesting. Mm. I thought it was going to be a lot more abrupt and kind of in your face, just based on some of the Sotols that I drank in Durango. Okay. Probably a little higher ABV and a little rougher. I would say a little bit more cowboy. Okay. Um, which is cowboy country. Which is cowboy country. But I, obviously, like, I think it's a really clever product. It's like, it's a little bit more finessed. Yeah. This is the whole range, right? This is the whole range of what they're doing currently. At the moment. At the moment. Currently, yeah. I'm sure they've got their eyes on, like, as I was saying, they're, they're going to do a special batch of Siniso with just the extra mature agave and they've got another um, varietal they've just found, um, which because the cattle chew the quixotes off, yeah. the, they won't, they're actually producing just like lots of hijuelos, so they need to replant them, otherwise it'll die out. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do a special batch of that maybe once a year. So there's, there's stuff happening, but yeah, I don't, look, they, we've always kind of, every anytime when I was there, we'd, we'd go to other little palenques and buy distillate from the guys in Nombre de Dios that are making really delicious stuff. So, I mean, I imagine at some point they'll want to, they'll want to bottle that and export it. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of good mezcal being made there. Yeah. It's a very interesting part of Mexico. Oh yeah. Durango. And it's a beautiful city. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a historical city. Yeah. Definitely yeah. is one of my um, like people probably don't know, but I'm going I'm heading off to Mexico now, so that's probably one of my next stop. Yeah, Durango. Mate, yeah. get up there! I'm sure the the boys would be very keen to have yeah. you have be. you up and and, <laughs> and and visit, and yeah. you get to kind of More. see everything they're doing and. Yeah. And also the, the Nepal project as well is pretty mm. mind-blowing up there as well. Yeah. So there's a... Mate, they definitely look after you when you're up there. It's uh, it's quite a time being in Durango. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, Riz, for um, just tasting this little sharing with, uh, with us, with Sydney, Australia. And um, I wish you all the best, man. Thank you, my man. Always, always, with this new project. Phil, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me along and you, including me in this beautiful tasting. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Thank you for all uh, the I'm feeling no pain, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, we'll just wrap it up with this um, episode and uh, see you next time. Cheers, Ciao. Ciao. Gracias. Cheers. Salud. Cheers. Salud.